Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. Was that understandable? Was that clear? As I, Jeff did a great job, I think, of just kind of outlining for us kind of some next steps and, and what this looks like in the life of the church. He will be with us on October 9th, that Sunday morning. He will share. He will preach. Uh, he'll be around to ask any questions. And in the meantime, we've got some work of our own to do, right? And so he shared about that church survey. And so uh, September 21st, Wednesday, is the cutoff for that. Why? Because we want to get moving in the process, right? And so uh, if we have your email here at the church, if you get a weekly email from Candy, our office administrator, it was, it's that same email that you should have received a link to participate in this congregational survey. If you did not receive that or you're more of just a pen and paper person, right outside those double doors in the lobby is where you can find, talk to our Connection Center host and we can get you hooked up with, um, with that survey. And then finally for us, as he shared, our call, our role in this process, all of us, is to continue to pray, um, to, to, to allow the Lord to, um, to work in the hearts and minds and lives of our prospective pastor, but also in this church body to continue to grow. It's a, it's a good thing. It's, these are exciting days ahead. I love you. I love this church. Um, and it's just an honor to serve alongside you, to be with you through this process. There will be uh, difficult days ahead, but also uh, many great days ahead. Uh, I do believe that. A couple things I wanted to share with you. First off, I want to thank you for all that you've done um, in just sending Chip and Nicole and the family off well. Uh, and the, the kind words, the, the notes, the cards that you share, the memories that you've shared with them. Uh, they officially moved Thursday, and um, this morning he is is preaching there this morning. So um, it's it's just really neat to see the hands and feet of Christ at work in in all of us, and just the the kindness and the just the the, the blessing and and almost the sense of commission that we were able to do as we prayed over he and his family it was such a powerful thing last week. We had our annual staff retreat on Monday and Tuesday this week. And so uh, we, we saw Pastor Chip off um, Sunday, and it just so happened that our annual staff retreat falls on, fell on that Monday and Tuesday, and uh, we had a great time just kind of connecting, but I just want you to know that we prayed for you. We bathed this, this place in prayer. Um, we sought the Lord together. It was, it was truly an impactful time for us to um, just to get away and to just hear from the Lord and and. Um, really just encourage one another through this. We each need encouragement in these next days, and so um, want to do that well. You know, as I've learned over the last 30 years of my life, um, change comes with living, right? If you live more than a day, you see that even the day before isn't the same as, as the day we are currently living in. And so um, it's this inevitable part of, of the essence of life. Um, you, you think about, you know, the heart beating and the, and the blood pumping through and the breaths um, that you take in your lungs. And if that stops, life stops. 
And I think so is true with the gospel of Christ, is, you know, the gospel is always meant to be forward-moving. It's, it's, it's leading us to something. It's always, always moving us forward into this uh, ever-growing, enriched relationship with Jesus Christ. It moves us from, from hopelessness to hopeful, right? The gospel leads us from brokenness to, to forgiven, and we live in that. From sin-filled to sanctified, as we read, as, as Justin shared, and as we'll be closing out with in 1 Thessalonians, this, this sanctified life. Christ meets us, he, he meets us where we are, and he doesn't, he doesn't ever intend for us to stay there. It's always part of this journey. He meets us, and now he leads us. He walks with us to this place. And so as we begin this kind of new season, I just wanted to, um, I just want to reflect a little bit on, on the grace and peace that Pastor Chip spoke about over the last two weeks. Those two words, right? Grace and peace. Peace, so much more of, it's, it's so much more than this absence of conflict. The peace is found in, in the goodness of God. I think of this kind of word imagery, uh, if you will, where, uh, you know, I think of a ship tossed to and fro on the ocean in the middle of, the middle of the ocean and no help in sight. And this storm, this raging storm, it's just, it's just being tossed around. But, um, but a ship that's tethered to or anchored to something, um, even though it may rock back and forth, its root is in the depths. Its root is in the... Um, the water underneath, uh, while there may be a current, it's, it's not tossing us to and fro. And I just love that image as we, you know, it doesn't mean peace, it doesn't mean that we are uh, living without conflict in our own lives. It can, you know, we live in a broken world where so much of that is just um, ever-changing and seems hopeless at times. But are you living into the peace and are you living out of the peace of Christ in you that equips us in these days? And the grace, the grace of God that launches us into a life that we could never have earned on our own and most definitely don't deserve. This is this grace, the basis of our relationship with God is grace. It's this this unmerited favor that that we don't deserve. You know, for you today, we're gonna talk about spiritual disciplines in a minute. One of the ways that you can express grace and you can begin to live in that in this moment is by giving me grace today as I preach. Holy cow. Um, this is definitely something where, you know, I've just, I've sensed in my own spirit of just being willing to do this. Um, but, you know, it just, it's just a whole new environment. It's a whole nother rhythm than the first 30 minutes of our time together. And so just kind of learning that. But in the process, we all need grace, right? We all extend grace and receive grace. And it's because of the grace in Christ that we are justified by the life, death, and resurrection. We have a churchy word for this, right? Justification. Justification is, is us receiving this gift of grace through faith and living into that, knowing that, that this now leads us to, um, to regeneration. It leads us to a new life in Christ. Pastor Chip shared this. He said, the basis of our relationship with God is grace. 
And a couple weeks ago, he went to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And I just wanna start here. This is where a starting place for us today. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, Paul writes. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Not by works, but it is this gift. Justification is us responding to this gift of grace that Christ has given us. And I love that. It is completely by him and in him and through him that we do this. But justification was never meant to stand alone. That word was never meant for us to, it wasn't a place of, of, of arrival. It was, a, it was a place for Christ to first encounter us, to extend his love for us, and then to bring us along to something new. Justification is, being, uh, is the beginning of something new. It moves us forward, it launches us into a new season of transformation. How many of you are married in the room? Okay, okay, good. So maybe some of you can, can, can help me understand this a little bit. I think of, of uh, you know, when you, when you get married, what happens? Do you, uh, you just keep dating around? Do you, uh, do you continue to like live in your separate spaces? No, no, fundamentally something changes, right? When you're married, everything about you changes. You, you die to yourself, first of all, because you, now you, you're, you're, you're living for this other person. Your whole, your whole rhythm, your whole habit, everything about, about your day from the time you wake up to the time you, you lie down at night has fundamentally changed. It's altered. You move in together. You, you, um, you do life together. Everything changes. And so it is with our response to this gift of grace, right? This gift of grace was just day one. It's this beautiful thing. But it completely changes the trajectory of our lives. That as we live into that, as we live into this life, our motives, our lifestyle, our everything begin to change. It begins to be transformed. I love this passage in Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, right, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So Paul does this, he goes on to say, okay, life or death came from, from Adam, you know, sin entered the world, and now life comes from Christ, and so this is, he just kind of further defines that. And, it, and then he moves into verse, uh, or he moves into chapter six here. He says, okay, well, because of this, in light of this, then what shall we do? Shall we continue sinning so that grace may abound even more, um, so that others can, no, that doesn't make sense. That's not what he had in mind on the cross, Right? For us to just kind of continue in our own habitual uh, lifestyle and ways, unrepentant, but saying, hey, thanks for the grace. I'm going to continue. Thanks for the grace. I'm going to continue. Was that what he had in mind? I don't think so. What was his hope? His hope was that through his life, death, and resurrection, his his resurrection validated the life he lived, the life he led. And he says, okay, just as I have, now you go live it. Now you go be transformed. It's the same spirit within me that it will now be in you. 
So wait, he says in Acts 1, but then also, then once the Spirit comes, the Spirit is in us, right? We are now the temple. He says, now live it out. It's, it's, it's life-giving. It's freedom, right? Bondage was for sin. This is life-giving. And so we live in that grace that Christ extended to us. Paul is saying here that faith is not this passive endeavor. It is active. It's, a, it's an activator for other things. Let's just think practically about faith for a minute, if you will. Um, you had faith enough in the chair that you're sitting in to plop down, right? You're sitting in it. You not only intellectually believed that it would hold you, but you tested it and you sat in it. That's great. I had faith in my, in my vehicle this morning that it would get me here. Got in just like any other day. Put my key in the ignition, started up, drove here. I believed and trusted in faith that the tires wouldn't fall off on my way here. Pulled in and I arrived. It's simple, but this is faith lived out, right? It's our faith that when I turn on the lamp, that electricity will go through it, move through it, and illuminate and resistance will happen and light will happen and, and it'll light up a room. Good grief. How about, uh, how about an airplane? How many, of you like, how many of you like flying or have flown before? So you, you not only believed intellectually that that, that airplane would, would get off the ground and you'd be able to fly. Some of you are like, I still don't believe that. I ain't going to do that. But you did it. You took that step and you lived into it. You lived into what you claimed and what you said you believed. And so I'd like to say to you today that saving faith in Christ is not this mental ascent into correct doctrine. It's not this intellectual uh, arrival. It is heart transformation. And when that happens, it leads to action, right? It doesn't lead for us to continue to just stay there. It leads to action. Faith in action. It's a, it's a paradigm shift in which everything around us in our world now changes. Maybe our circumstances don't change, but the lens in which we, we see the world begins to change. We see things differently. We see things in a new dimension when we live out this faith, when we step into it, what we are always called and created for. You say, all right, well then, Ben, what, is, what does faith practically look like? What would be the evidence of my faith displayed? Well, I, t I mean, immediately I think of, okay, what about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the very fruits that the Apostle Paul calls us to exhibit. That is faith lived out. Now, is that done in our own, or is that done through the empowering of Christ in us? And so over the next few, a uh, couple of months, I would say, we're going to take a journey into what's called the spiritual disciplines. These would be habits, if you will. Habits that if formed, if we allow ourselves to engage in them, if we yield of our own will and allow Christ in us the time to work in us, 
that we will begin to emulate and to look like him in all walks of life. Pastor Chip had, uh, he encouraged a supplemental book for our sermon, uh, sermon on the Mount series that we did. It was a Dallas Willard book. So I guess his, uh, his impact on me continues because uh, I think the Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard, if there's something else that you want to grab uh, as we move through these next few weeks and months, um, this is, this is, this is uh, a neat book just to, just to, just to find practical components. He kind of lays the, the groundwork for what salvation actually is what it was always meant to be, so much more, so much more beautiful than just saying a prayer. And then, and then out of that, he begins to, 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 to walk into what that looks like to practically live for Christ. This whole thing is, is meant to be life-giving. And if you've ever coached or if you're a parent uh, like me, um, you know that more is caught than taught, Right? So just saying you believe something doesn't really add up to much. I'm trying to, I'm trying to teach my children to put their shoes away when they get home. So what, what, what should I probably be doing if I want them to not only hear the words that I say, but respond and see my actions? Probably ought to put my shoes away. I've been convicted by this. And it's such a simple thing. It's such a silly thing, but... Um, you know, we, we have to be living into these things for others to see. You're in this room right now. You're seated, you're seated here right now because someone actually lived out their faith, allowed it to be active, and you responded. You heard the message. You responded. And as any successful coach would, would tell you, what does he fixate on? What does he or she fixate on? The fundamentals, the basics. Because we know that these are the building blocks to what it means to be an athlete, to, uh, you know, or to be a musician, the instrumentalist, okay, learning scales, being able to play those. Uh, that's something that I haven't fostered in my own life. I've just kind of continued to stay in the basics. But, you know, guys that are just exceptional in that, they live into that. They are dedicating themselves to the fundamentals of, of, of what it means to, that, to play that instrument, the, the drummer, the rudiments, the, uh, to learn the you know, to be able to type on the keyboard, you're learning uh, keyboard exercises, I don't know. But repetition to the fundamentals is the catalyst to moving from where you are to where you desire to be. It's that repetition over and over and over again that provides movement in our life to get to where we desire to be. And it's all rooted in Christ. For the athlete, they're drills that if you do them over and over again, they create the muscle memory for you to respond so that when, when you're in that, in that situation, um, you just naturally respond that way, right? So the third baseman, uh, he, he practices uh, line drive so that way when, when he gets one of those in the game, you don't even, he doesn't even have to consciously think about it. It just happens. This is, how, this is how, what I was trained to do. I just respond this way. And that's what happens when we allow Christ in us and we dedicate ourselves to the disciplines of, of, just, of, of prayer, of meditation, of being in the word daily is all of a sudden now that head-to-heart transfer, our, our, whole, our whole demeanor, our whole being changes. 
I don't know if any of you have saw this. I want to show you just a brief illustration of an athlete because I think this is the best illustration, one of the best ones that Paul even uses it in 1 Corinthians. This is Steph Curry in a practice one day. 103 in a row he made three-pointers. Over and over and over and over and over again. He has disciplined himself to the process of building muscle memory through the repetition in the fundamentals. He didn't become a basketball player by sitting on the couch, right? Or watching basketball being played. Maybe that, maybe that started, maybe that activated his interest and his desire to want to be an athlete. This is crazy. What distinguishes him as a basketball player? He did it. He got outside, he dribbled a ball, he started shooting, and he learned the game. He was an active participant. Because, see, if he wasn't, if he just continued to think about it and watch it, then he's an analyst, right? He's not a player. And I think for us, in in our walk with Christ, it's like, listen, we were not called to just be analysts of the gospel, to just be an analyzer of the Christian walk. We were called to what? Live it, right? Faith is an active thing. Such a good visual. And so if we believe the life-giving words of Scripture, if we believe these things, if you're here today, you're saying, um, yeah, I believe that, I profess that to be true, then it requires a response, a dedicated response, a lifelong response. And so this is why over the next couple of months, We're going to be taking a look at the habits that we can build to generate that response in our life. Willard writes, true character transformation begins in the pure grace of God and is continually assisted by it. That's Christ in us. But it requires what? Action. It requires us to do. What was the, that's why we, we, we are all familiar with the Great Commission, right? Christ doesn't say, now sit and meditate on all that I told you. Just allow it to feel good. No, he calls us to go. Tell everyone else about it. Live it out. Do it. So we call it the fundamentals. Disciplines that change lives. Throughout church history, they've known, they've known as spiritual disciplines, but these are the things, the prayer, the study, the worship, the generosity, that when we commit ourselves to these things, community with other believers, fasting at times, even rest, honoring the Sabbath. Do you do that or do you believe, nah, I'm just gonna, that's a great idea, but I just got work to do. I'm gonna do it anyway. It's a discipline to rest, friends, sometimes. I learned that coming off of my sabbatical. What is the essence of my existence? It is to honor him. And it is to glorify him with Christ in me. And how am I supposed to do that if I'm not fundamentally believing and living in what he's called me to do? And so as we look to see what a life committed to Christ actually looks like, 
I simply want to take this Sunday to make the case for why this is important. And to bridge the gap for you from church word of sanctif- or justification to church word of sanctification. We read about it in worship today. To remind you of these things. To show you why justification isn't just where we end up, but it's actually an activator that leads to adoption into the kingdom of God. It's the activator. Justification is the activator that leads to regeneration or new life in him. It's the evidence of faith in Christ that leads to heart transformation, and this leads to sanctification. And if we are justified by grace, we are then sanctified or set apart. For what? Well, let's go back to Ephesians 2. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, we already read this, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Uh Uh-oh, here it comes, though. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If this, then this. But these good works aren't for position. These good works are, are out of our position as sons and daughters of the king. One of the biggest things that keeps an unbeliever from believing a lot of times is the fact that they just see the evidence in someone who claims and professes to be a Christian and they see the things that they do, the things that come out of their mouth, the things that, uh, the way that they live their lives, the habits that they uh, hold. And they say, well, is it really that great? Because I don't think too many, I don't think Christians are living up to the potential that Christ has for them. And this is all through Christ that we do these things. We profess these things. And what do we do with good, this says, this says uh, it's a gift. What do we do with gifts? We use them, right? This gift of God that is grace, we use it. We don't just, we don't just hang on to it. We use it. My parents helped me uh, uh, purchase a vehicle. It was a gift. I couldn't have done it on my own. And so I said, thank you, and I just let it sit in the parking lot. No. I got in the car, and I drove it around. I used the gift, right? And so this grace given to us, what does it mean to live into it and to, to use the gift? Not for salvation, but in light of salvation, we do these good works. I get the pleasure, I talked about weddings earlier, I get the pleasure of uh, uh, officiating weddings. I get to do one this, this next weekend and it's joy of mine. But let me tell you this, the part I love the most is the premarital counseling. You don't get, you don't get my services, my very reverend services, without me being able to, to, sit, along, to sit with you, to walk alongside you, to fill out kind of a, a couple's inventory and to say, okay, have you thought about this? This is going to be hard. How are you going to navigate this situation? And it means so much to me, and it's, it's so important to me because, unfortunately, I've seen throughout my, my life um, 
the marriages that end in divorce, and so often the cause is rooted in, in selfishness, personal ambition, disregard for the other. I want to please myself. And I want to remind them that love, although it is a, although it is a feeling and it is great and it, it's awesome, there's times where it's a conscious decision and effort to make sure that I am dying to myself. Because guess what? I don't always want to do the things that I have to do to show my wife that I love her. But I do them to show her. It's a conscious decision and choice to remain faithful, especially when it's inconvenient, especially when you don't feel like it. And when we are faithful during these hardships, inevitably your love for one another continues to grow, continues to deepen. You've persevered through it. And so I asked myself, okay, if I'm, if I'm you know, if, if the essence of marriage is built on love, not just a feeling, but also um, practically lived out a conscious decision sometimes to, to just to choose to do this, I wonder if the evidence of our faith is built on love as well. Do we love what we claim to love so much so that we're willing to inconvenience ourselves? Do I love enough to actually give of myself wholeheartedly for the cause of Christ? And don't misunderstand, this isn't legalism. All this is saying is, have I yielded to my own desires and have just rested in the goodness of God and allow him to activate, to move forward a life of dedication and service to him? I think true love, one of the greatest examples of this in scripture is Jesus in the garden. I've never been to the Holy Land, but I've heard it say that uh, he would have been praying and then kind of looking and waiting for them to come, the soldiers to come around the corner at any moment. And he'd go back to praying, he would look. And in the midst of that, I would imagine everything physical within him wanting to flee. He prays it, Father, if it be, let this, pass, this cup pass from me. Sweating drops of blood, not wanting to go through with it, but knowing that this is the very reason for his, his, his full humanity and full uh, godliness on earth. But you can imagine the physical is just pulling at him. And he's willing to stand strong in it. It wasn't a feeling probably at that time of, 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 of excitement, but it was a love of commitment, a love of perseverance, a love of dedication. And for the sake of love, he remained. I would say there, sin was conquered. It emboldened him to now take it to the cross. So friends, I'm sorry if the uh, American church has, has led you to believe that you just kind of just say a prayer once and uh, just let, let the grace of Christ continue to abound. Paul says in Romans 6, let that never be. You pray, it does something within you and it activates, it moves you forward. This is a new uh, exercise for me. It looks like it didn't take me long to 
go along like Chip did, so that's good. <laughs> Justin's got me reading all these scholarship guys and, and uh, you know, and just dedicating myself to the discipline of study even more so. One of the authors, James K. Smith, writes this. He says, in the end, what we love is a specific version of the good life, an implicit picture of what we think human flourishing looks like. And all this to say, do your ambitions, do the things that drive you, the things that motivate you, do the things that stir your heart when you wake up, do they reflect more of the American dream or Christ's vision of what a walk with him looks like? I invite Sarah to come up. My prayer in these next days for this church is that we would wholeheartedly be intentional and committed to fostering our faith, to working in it and on it. It is Christ who initiates it. It is he who continues it in us, but it requires something of us. So often it just requires us to just be present, to hear from him, to stop what we're doing long enough, to allow ourselves to be seen and to hear from him. But also, it gives us opportunity to live generously. It gives us opportunity um, to worship, to not forsake coming together as a body or check out until the new guy comes. No, this is the priesthood of all believers. And if you've said yes to Christ, then this is your life. And I wouldn't want it any other way. It's so life-giving. Do you believe that? Have you lived that? Have you experienced it? And so, Father, as we pray today, as we conclude our time together, Lord, I want to thank you for the peace and the grace that was offered through your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And we thank you for the word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, that leads us to truth, that permeates our soul, our mind, as we meditate on the good news. We transfix our eyes on you, Lord, that our heart begins to change, our motivations begin to change, that when the business deal goes sideways or someone discourages us, Lord, that we respond differently. We put away the old self. We live for you, God. Practically, we live for you. And so I'm excited for this journey. Lord, each and every day, Lord, may you empower us. May it be rooted in you, not just seen as a checklist, God. Something we get to do. Something we get to do and be a part of and to live in as your church. So as we, as we do this today and as we leave, Lord, may this simple song be our prayer. May this simple chorus be our prayer as we go. But while there is work to do, we do not want to move or act without you. Empower us, encourage us for the days ahead, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing this?
And then I want to end with a simple benediction of reciting scripture together, proclaiming together. Lord, I need you, come on. It's our prayer today. Every hour I need it's only in Him. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need it. Come on, tell Him again. Tell Him again. Lord, I need you. from our position that he's placed us in, not for promotion. That's not our motivator. It's out of the grace, it's out of the peace extended to us that we get to go run the race. We get to go do these things. So as we close today, Reverend Consulman did this a few, uh, a couple years ago at our camp. We ended every service with this, these two verses. And in this season, I'd like to proclaim these together as we go. Just to kind of cap off what this is all about. Let's read this together. It says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen? Amen. Hey, have a great Sunday. Have a great week. Uh, we'll see you soon. Don't forget church survey. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.